I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Man, we are loaded tonight. We got Senator Ron Johnson, Kerry Pickett, John Cardillo, Joe Biden, still a creep. We have to talk about how subhuman these people have become. Well, that's coming up on I'm Right. People fascinate me. Human nature fascinates me. The good of it, the bad of it. I don't know what that is. It probably says something terrible about me, but I like to study human nature. I find it to be fascinating. And one thing I really, really find to be fascinating is communists. Because, again, not the good, but that's the evil, right? That's the terrible. That's the bad. And I think about these people because they are people. And I think about how you got that way. What happened? What what is the mix? Because it's probably not one thing that happened. It's probably a mixture of education and parents and movies, whatever you consumed. I don't know what happened, but you got that way somehow. And that way, this is what I mean by that way. At what point in your life, because there was definitely a point, you weren't born this way. At what point in your life did you go from being a human being capable of genuine empathy for people who are going through hard times? You know, somebody with a heart and a soul. When was that transition when you're not human anymore? When you became some sort of subhuman monster that looks at everything only through the lens of how it helps destroy your enemies and help you gain power? 
and I'm not even actually talking down about them now, although I know it sounds like that. I really, I think it's fascinating. How does that happen? How does that happen? What, what went wrong? When did it go wrong? What was the moment where just all your humanity gone like that? Like we have a hurricane coming, Hurricane Ian, heading for Florida. Governor Heavy D's declared a state of emergency, so on and so forth. We'll see how bad it gets, and obviously say a prayer for the people down in Florida. We don't want anybody hurt. And of course, the, you know what? Let's stop right there. That's probably what you did when you heard there was a hurricane coming. You probably checked. Oh, geez, hurricane coming. What, what was the first thought that went through your mind? Maybe even said it out loud. What'd you say? I hope everyone's okay. Because you're a human being with, with something inside, some sort of a heart, some sort of a soul. Now wrap your mind around this. And I don't mean to single her out. She just happens to be one of the worst offenders of this. But I've seen this all throughout the media, all throughout Democrat politics. Amy Klobuchar, Senator Amy Klobuchar, she woke up. She did the same thing you did. Woke up, found out on her phone, email, oh, no, hurricane coming to Florida. And instead of, I hope everyone's okay, Amy Klobuchar licked her chops like some sort of a wolf looking at a hungry lamb. She looked at this hurricane coming. Maybe it'll be okay. Maybe it won't be a big deal. Maybe it'll end lives. I don't know. But Amy Klobuchar looked at it, and she didn't consider any of that. She looked at a hurricane coming to Florida and thought to herself, ooh, nice. We can use this. We just did something about climate change for the first time in decades. That's why we've got to win this as that hurricane bears down on Florida. we got to win in the midterms. I'm, I'm sorry, what? When did that happen? Because she wasn't born that way. She wasn't. And I'll never know, right? You'll never get the answer. It's not like the sub subhuman can or would explain to you when they became subhuman. At some point in time, that, that person was an adorable, innocent little baby. And as a grown woman now, just a subhuman monster. And I'm fascinated. What's the formula for that? How do you make that? How do you avoid that? And speaking of, of all this enviro-communist nuts, um, we have an EPA now that is created, let me make sure I get this right, the Environmental Justice, this is the Office of Environmental Justice and Civil Rights. Now maybe you're sitting there saying to yourself, environmental justice, civil rights, what's that have to do with the environment? How did those two worlds merge? It's perfectly natural if you're thinking that, but let's go over something we've talked about a lot. Those two worlds didn't merge. Those two worlds were never separate. One of the great advantages, one of the most genius things the communist has done in America was totally change his messaging. Remember, they were vocal about why they had to do this. They brought that worker's message, the worker, over here to America in the very beginning. It just didn't land because workers here in America have a great standard of living. It didn't land. So they had to pull back and they had to regroup. Okay, that kind of communism won't work here. We can't destroy America with the worker. So how will we destroy America? We have to find other malcontents. Let's not narrow it down to one. Let's talk to the feminists. They're always mad about something. And of course, the civil rights guys are always oppressed all the time. And the LGBTQ Air Force people and the climate change nutters, they branched out 
it's all under communism. They all have worked together all the time with the same common goal, the destruction of America. They're all the same group. They just convince people they're different groups by trying to sell different messages of grievance. Now, why are they doing that? Why would you do that? Why would you have all these separate groups? Well, picture this. Picture me, and I have, I'm up on stage, and there's 100 people in, out in the audience. And they're all mad about something, all a bunch of miserable freaks, mad about something, just bitter people. I can stand up on stage and say, you know what? America's a racist place, a racist, gross place. We've oppressed black people. Slaughter the Native Americans. Join me and we'll destroy the country for it. How many people in that audience will I get with that message? Some, five, 10, but then I'm missing out on 90 people. I need those 90, I need their help to destroy the country. So it couldn't just be about America being racist. It had to be, uh, oh yeah, America's racist and uh, uh, women are oppressed here. Oh, 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 look, we just scarfed up 20 more. Nice, nice, nice. Oh, dang, we have, we have other people. What, what can we do with them? Oh, I guarantee you we got some gay people in the crowd that are mad about something. Hey, uh, America hates gays. Oh, look, we're you see what I mean? It was all the same message. It always was. The environmental people joining with the civil rights people isn't something new. They've been together the whole time. Why do you think they work together all the time? It's one group, one goal, different branding. That's what you're seeing. And they've been very effective. I, we talk about gas prices is in the news a lot. Here's Joe Biden lying about them again. With the price of gas down a dollar thirty-six a day this summer, in some few states it's below three bucks. First of all, that was a lie, but set the lie aside. Everyone knows that gas prices are too high. By the way, sorry to break the news for you, they're going to go back up and probably go back up really, really high as soon as we stop draining the strategic oil reserve and things, things even out in the market, they're about to go back up. Everyone knows that's Joe Biden's fault. That's the Enviro-Communist's fault. The cost of everything in your life has gone up, in part because gas prices have gone up. Things have to be hauled to where you are so you can purchase those things. This is how it works. Remember this, though. Joe Biden, he did it on purpose. This is something that's wild to me. These communists have campaigned on this. They've campaigned on making energy prices, making gas prices higher. They wanted the pain that comes with life being too expensive for you to enjoy normal things. And now they got into office, they made that thing happen, and now what are they doing? What are they doing? Well, remember, lying for the communist is like breathing. Because again, and I'm not insulting him, let's just analyze what these people are. They don't have your value system. I'm not naive, I know you've told lies, but in general, I could ask each and every person looking at me right now, I could ask you, is lying good or bad? And universally, 100% it would be, oh, it's bad, bad, you don't lie, it's just part of your moral code, it's part of how you were raised. But with the communist, lying is what he does. You can study them from the 1920s and 30s, when not just in the Soviet Union here, when they got here, we're trying to take over. They talked extensively. Hey, we gotta lie. Hey, we can't let them find out what we're doing. We gotta lie, we gotta lie. It's just what they do. It's like breathing for them. 
Joe Biden's blaming the blaming the companies. My message is simple. The companies running gas stations are setting those prices at the pump. Bring down the prices you're charging at the pump to reflect the cost you pay for the product. Do it now. Do it now. Not a month from now. Do it now. You comfortable with the president speaking like that? Almost reminds me. You know what that reminds me of? I haven't forgotten this. I'm never going to let this go. It reminds me of when he was sitting down, scolding America to go get vaccinated. Go get vaccinated. Go get vaccinated. And I'll never forget this line as long as I live. When Joe Biden stood up in front of the people he's supposed to serve and said the words, we've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. Who exactly do you think you are? And, you know, speaking of COVID, one final thing about sociopaths and when, when something died in here, Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci made headlines again talking about draconian measures. And I know you're going to get mad about this. And Dr. Fauci himself is somebody who just creates anger in all of us, myself included. But listen, when he talks about draconian measures and some pain and things like that, make sure you understand. And maybe you understand this all too well. We're talking about the destruction of people's lives. Their loss in their jobs, loss of their businesses, maybe they lost a relative to suicide. We're talking about mass death and misery. Now, knowing that, look how cold this person is. Of course, when you make recommendations, if the primary goal when you're dealing with a situation where the hospitals were being overrun in New York, intensive care units were being put in hallways you have to do something that's rather draconian and sometimes when you do draconian things it has collateral negative consequences just like when you shut things down even temporarily it does have deleterious consequences on the economy on the school children you know that You know that. Listen to how he talks. All those people, all that suffering. Maybe you went through it. Maybe you're still going through it. It's just nothing for him. Again, I want to know. A person's 82, I think. I want to know. Because he wasn't born that way. When did that happen? How did that happen? What's the formula? When did, when did the human become something less than that? I don't know. All right. Senator Ron Johnson He's been speaking out for a while. We're going to talk to him about that. We're going to talk to him about some other things next. Before we talk to Senator Ron Johnson, let's talk to you about this. Let's talk to you about the fact that testosterone levels in the United States of America are half of what they were 50 years ago. That is a staggering number. That is, we can't survive as a nation if we're a nation of man boobs. Ladies, same thing for you strength and vitality in the men and women in this country it's going downhill and there's a lot to this but i'll tell you something chalk the anti-communists at chalk they have a male vitality stack natural herbal supplements 20 percent increase in your testosterone in 90 days ladies they have a female vitality stack they have lit powder for your smoothies and whatnot they have endless natural herbal supplements u.s manufacturing by the way again a proud American company. And they now have a subscription available for a limited time. I prefer the subscription because I don't like having to order every time I'm out of my male vitality stack. 
I just, just send it to me when it's ready. Send it to me when the time's up. If you subscribe, you get 35% off for the lifetime of your subscription. You have to go to chalk.com, C-H-O-Q.com, promo code JESSE. Chalk.com, promo code JESSE. We'll be back. This was published, and they were publishing other similar information during that time period when President Biden lied to the American public that this was a pandemic of the unvaxxed, and if you got vaccinated, you're not going to get, you're not going to go to the hospital, you're not going to be an ICU unit, and you're not going to die. Well, 63.5% of the people fully vaccinated were dying in England at the exact same time. Why didn't you pull this? Have you ever labeled the President of the United States' comment as a as misinformation. Have you ever done that? Any of you? I'll take that as a no. It is interesting, isn't it? The president who tells easily verifiable lies every single day has never once had a misinformation label placed on him. Huh, it's funny. Joining me now, it's Senator from Wisconsin, Senator Ron Johnson. Senator, I'm glad you're still on this stuff because it's not something I've been able to let go either. The lies that have been told to the American people, specifically well, I mean, about a lot of things, but specifically about COVID, about the effectiveness of vaccines, effectiveness of lockdowns, the lies were so pervasive and the truth was smashed at every turn. It really, it changed how I view our entire system in this country. Well, it did have the same effect on me as well, Jesse. Thanks for having me on. Uh, really, we've gone through the last two years, and I think what has been exposed is, is really how the left operates, by and large. Uh, truth becomes lies, lies become truth, and that's why the American public has lost so much faith in so many of these institutions. Uh, the purveyors of misinformation were our federal health agency, uh, the Biden administration, uh, Big Pharma, the, the media, and big tech uh, social media giants. Those are the people that spread information. Now, people like me, probably you, we, we were accused of spreading misinformation, but I always, I always ask people, show me one thing that I said that was not true. I mean, what, what misinformation do I, did I spread? I, I, I know I constructed charts that used their information in a way they didn't like to have it be shown. For example, I had one chart that, that showed the FAIR system, that's the FDA adverse event system, their monitoring system showed that ivermectin had on annual on average about 15 deaths per year i reported over the course of 26 years hydroxychloroquine a little under 80 deaths per year the, the flu vaccine under 80 deaths per year and the covid vaccine were up to over 31,000 deaths 26 and a half percent of those are occurring on days zero one or two uh when i would show that oh. chart they would censor me or they would censor radio shows that that was just giving the federal government safety for surveillance information uh, broadcasting that and then those uh, sites would be censored as well so it, it's outrageous the American people were not told the truth the federal health agencies were not honest they were not transparent and you know big tech social media giants have, have an awful lot of blame sh should be laid at their feet Senator, you're right about that and, and, and I'm glad you're on the social media giants about it but honestly 
What's worse for me is, as you mentioned, the, the, the federal health agencies. Now, I, I'm only 41, but I've lived my entire life when the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, said something, that was something you could trust. You know, they're, they're there for diseases. Uh, when the FDA said something, maybe this was me being stupid, that was something you can trust. You brought up ivermectin. You know doctors have been treating people successfully with this. I know you've talked to them because I know I personally have talked to a bunch of them. These federal health agencies spoke out against it, called it horse pace. People died because of that. They're responsible for death. What can we be? What can we do to these people? Well, of course, that's the problem right there, Jesse, is the, the body count is way too high that the COVID cartel, again, the Biden administration, federal health agencies, uh, big pharma, the, the media, uh, that is the COVID cartel. They can't afford to be proven wrong at this point in time, so they're doubling down on failure. Uh, but the real, pro real problem, Jesse, is that they have the power to make it almost impossible to prove them wrong. So they just go about their, their merry way there, pretending that uh, nothing happened, that uh, all their pronouncements were correct and true, and, and people like you and I were spreading this information when the exact opposite is the truth. Okay, which brings me actually to the FBI. I know that's a weird transition, but to say I'm alarmed would be the understatement of the century. Obviously, everyone has seen what they've done with the right, labeling them domestic terrorists, enemies of the state, going after school board parents, not going after BLM or Antifa. Everyone knows these things, but the latest story with them sending 20 to 30 federal agents to pound on the door of a guy for the crime of being a pro-life activist, and everyone knows that's what it is. Senator, explain to me how exactly an organization this politically biased can continue to exist in any form, because 20 whistleblowers is not enough when you have an agency that has the power to destroy anyone's life. Because they're uh, infiltrated with partisan leftists and the Lexus and the media and the big tech Bill. media social giants, social media giants will continue to protect them. That's the problem we have here, Jesse. It's not a fair fight. It's not a level playing field. The radical left has pretty well infiltrated every institution of this country. And now they're trying to uh, fundamentally transform this nation. We're seeing what fundamental transformation looks like. Uh, I thought the raids against Mr. Halk were just outrageous. But that's not the only one. Uh, you know, Roger Stone and uh, Peter Navarro, you know, other people, simply unnecessary the way they've uh, uh, apprehended these folks. They would have turned themselves in voluntarily easily, but that's not what the FBI is doing. They're intimidating people. I, I always thought it was uh, rather interesting how the, the left, uh, immediately after January 6th, had the phrase, thousands of armed insurrectionists. There weren't thousands of armed insurrectionists. Where did they come up with that? Uh, they used January 6th as a way to paint, you know, tens of millions of people who voted for Donald Trump as potential domestic terrorists, as semi-fascists. And now we've had the President of the United States who, in his inaugural address, eight times said his number one goal is to unify and heal this nation. He has done the exact opposite thing, and he's now become the divider-in-chief. I mean, that speech he gave a couple of weeks ago, the most divisive speech I've ever seen an American president give, it's just remarkable. Okay, Senator. Well, we don't have anyone in the administrative state. They're all hardcore leftist activists at this point in time. So with the exception of the states and states using their state power, 
You're a United States Senator. What can the United States Senate do about a fully weaponized DOJ? Surely there's something. I know you can't do anything right now and we don't have power, but if you take power back, what can be done? Because something has to be done or this is going to tear this nation apart. Well, again, it is helpful that we have uh, whistleblowers coming forward. The most we can really do is uncover and then expose the truth. Now, it's hard to do because uh, these individuals know what they've done. Uh, they, they know what documents might exist. Uh, they're not turning them over to us. I, I, I subpoenaed the FBI under President Trump. President Trump was trying to get these uh, pieces of information released. He couldn't do it. He declassified a, a whole series of uh, documents. We never have seen one page of those. So again, the deep state is deep. It's pervasive. It's partisan. And it's a, it's a heck of a challenge. Like I said, it's, it's not a fair fight. It's not a level playing field. But I, I have to hope and pray that truth has its own power and truth is starting to trickle out and hopefully enough Americans will pay attention and demand accountability. Senator, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Have a good day. FBI corruption is really bad. Carrie Pickett has been all over it. She's going to join us next to discuss. First, though, I've got a little email I want to read you. Jesse. Oh, wait, that's the wrong email. Jesse. Our master bathroom had a leak. We had a plumber come in to fix the problem. Equipment and constant loud noise forced us to sleep in the, extra, in the guest room. After two nights, I woke up with watery eyes, sneezing, and a headache. Initially, I thought it was coming down with a cold or a flu, but realized our Eden Pier was left in the master bedroom. After plugging it in the guest room, all allergy symptoms disappeared. That little black box really works. Thanks for leading me to a fantastic product. I get emails like this all the time. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, the reason I'm so enthusiastic about Eden Pure, I had allergies like that most of my life. Wake up in the morning and the tears coming down the side of my face, just miserable. No more. I have three of these. Where I sleep, where my sons sleep, and in my living room. Go and do likewise. They have a three-pack for sale for my viewers. EdenPureDeals.com. Code Jesse gets you a three pack for under 200 bucks. That's $200 off. EdenPureDeals.com code Jesse. We'll be back. In America, evil will not win, it will not prevail. And white supremacists will not have the last word. White supremacists. I don't know about you. I run into these people all the time. Joining me now, Carrie Pickett, senior congressional reporter for The Washington Times. Carrie, you've been speaking to FBI agents. How big is this threat of white supremacy? I've got to be honest, in 41 years, I don't think I've ever met one. Look, I... Uh what we're seeing right now over at the FBI, according to the uh, agents that I've been uh, talking to, to the uh, personnel, it isn't even just the agents, it's a lot of it, you know, just FBI employees just in general. Uh, there's just been this shift from a uh, law enforcement agency to an intel gathering agency. And, and that's sort of concerning because, and this will get to your question, I promise, is because you've had the intelligence analysts who have sort of taken over as to you know what exactly is a crime well a crime is 
what your bad first amendment thoughts could possibly be according to the intel analysts so they'll essentially create a profile of okay well you know especially after january th we're looking for bad people like that so it's it's become almost like minority report you know go find bad people who breached the capitol like over on january 6 so if they're out there waving a gadsden flag if they're out you know, hanging out cleaning their guns if they're a bunch of homeschoolers or if they homeschool their kids if they're pro lifers uh, you know go find them especially if they're you know yucking it up or, or making politically charged comments online then go out there and see if they if they'll actually do a crime you know try and make them say that crime and then we can charge them but just open up a case on them right now so then we can pump our numbers up and then we can make the uh the special agent in charge or the assistant special agent in charge look really really good because we we got to get our metrics up right now that's essentially what's going on right now so you think well, what about all white supremacy it's like look we may not be able to find it right away, but you know what? As long as we define what white supremacy is, then we'll find it because we may not have the crime statutorily, but we're going to make it seem real scary and we're just going to open it up. We'll define what the crime is, even if it isn't in the statute. Does that sort of make sense here? It does. I do have a question, though. Now, I, I don't think it's a mystery that this organization's full of leftist activists who are out to smash their political opponents. That's not news to anybody. But you mentioned getting their metrics up. I realize mm. these people are mostly cultural Marxists and self-awareness isn't their strength. But do they understand what is happening with the actual American people and the fact that their organization has gone from something that had, I would guess, 90% approval for most of my life to maybe 50, and that number's dropping. They're losing America. Is there any awareness to that within the walls of the FBI? Well, look, the FBI has become way more centralized within Washington, D.C. It's, it's all groupthink within Washington, D.C. Like I said, you're talking about everyone from the intel analysts to the executives on the seventh floor over, over in Washington to the executives in the field offices all over the country. The whole point, as far as they're concerned, is to gather intel and to make their metrics and to promote themselves to a higher you know, grade level and then retire off into the sunset. That has been pretty much how they look at this ever since 9-11, you know, is to be intel, as opposed to be a premier law enforcement agency. And therein lies the biggest problem. Whereas you have the field agents, the guys on the ground who are looking to be, most of them at least, uh, they're looking to be, you know, out there looking for, you know, guys who are, you know, robbing banks, who are out there, you know, gangbangers. But, but the thing is that right now, they are being told, no, 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 no. You're looking to go find white supremacists. You're, 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 you're like perfect example. Like out, um, like several months out after January sixth, there was a hearing up on Capitol Hill. There was a House Intel Committee hearing where you had lawmakers specifically on, on, on the Democrat side, they were like, look, we want you to find a bunch of white supremacists who are just like the people who uh, went and breached the Capitol, and that's your mission. And then you had the guy who was in charge of the counterterrorism division and at the time we said, absolutely, we opened up 2,700 cases already and we're looking for them and they're the most 
you know, dangerous people here in the U.S., and we're looking for them, absolutely. But by the way, we're not going to be uh, violating First Amendment rights. Well, they are, and that's pretty much where we are right now. Carrie, you mentioned the field agents, and I have no doubt there are good ones. I know because they email my show always privately telling me what's going on. I, I'm not doubting that at all. But where are they? Where is the mass revolt from within? I know there have been whistleblowers who come forward. I know people talk to you, and I'm glad they are. I, I know there have been you know, 20, 30 whistleblowers. Carrie, this is an organization of tens of thousands of people. 20 to 30 people is not near enough to justify its continued existence. Where are all the good guys coming forward? Okay. Um, just so you know, I've been covering um, FBI whistleblowers you know, since 2016, 2018, 2016, when I first started talking to uh, one, and then in 2018, when uh, I, I was covering uh, Chuck Grassley, senator from uh, Iowa, Republican, uh, his uh, Whistleblower Protection Act for uh, FBI guys. And the problem here is that it, anytime FBI guys want to whistleblow on the FBI, uh, chances are they will be retaliated against. Now, when I say FBI guys, I'm talking about not the FBI executives. I'm talking about non-executive FBI employees who, if they see malfeasance in their field offices by a by by a uh, by the uh, special agent in charge, by the assistant special agent in charge, by you know malfeasance done by them, chances are they will be retaliated against. And that means that they will have to defend themselves with money out of their pocket uh, to, 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 to pay for a lawyer. And the, and, the, and the agency knows this and they'll go, okay, well, guess what? We're gonna litigate you into bankruptcy and there's nothing you can do about it. And that has, and that has been par for the course. That's why you don't hear from many whistleblowers within the FBI because they know that the odds are against them. However, what's happened in the last a uh, year or so that they see sort of the tide is turning, especially with lawmakers uh, on the Republican side beginning to see that there is a real problem with this process because the FBI has kind of exempted itself from the usual whistleblower process. And that, and, and plus ever since January 6th, where the FBI has specifically targeted Republican lawmakers, they're going, wait, 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 what's going on here? Okay, we gotta see reform over at the FBI. You've heard a lot of defund, but now they, they kind of changed their language a bit. You know, they're going, hey, let's reform. Maybe we should decentralize the FBI. Maybe we should make it more state-based. Maybe we should take a lot of power away from the seventh floor in Washington. And uh, let's start looking at better ideas because there's too much power at the FBI in Washington, DC. Let's start thinking about some other ideas because it's, a, it's become way too politicized. And, and what's Washington? Very political. Carrie Pickett. Washington Times, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Sure thing. Take care. Let's hope they're serious. Let's hope they're serious about it. Because this is, there's nothing bigger, nothing more dangerous happening in the country. We're going to ask John Cardillo about this next and other things. Mainly, we're going to talk to him about crime. It's really, really bad. Before we talk to him about that, let's talk about something good. Something to make you feel good. It sucks paying for insurance. I know that. It's not fun. Now, you're rarely are you writing that insurance company a check or just paying with a credit card these days. 
and saying to yourself, man, that felt good. I'm happy about what we did. I don't know that you'll enjoy paying one share health for your health insurance, but I know you can feel good about it. You know, 5% of your monthly, it goes to veterans struggling with PTSD, Camp Hope, PTSD Foundation, One Share Health, the faith-based insurance company, the one that shares your values, they also take your money, not only provide you with great insurance coverage, they give back. Have you ever felt even a little bit good paying your insurance bill? Go to my.onesharehealth.com slash Kelly, promo code Jesse Kelly. My.onesharehealth.com slash Kelly, promo code Jesse Kelly. We'll be back. City of Brotherly Love. Joining me now, my friend John Cardillo, host, TV host, also former, former NYPD police officer. John, it's not just the crime level in these cities. Obviously, that was Philly, but we could be talking about anywhere. L.A., New York. Yeah. It's, a disaster. it's not just the crime level. It's how comfortable they all are with it. Now, some girl, that was, she was there waiting for a sandwich. Hey, no big deal. I think I'll just loot the place. Hey, extra mayo, please. What has happened? Yeah, well, Philly is, is a really good example, Jesse, and I, you know, I'm glad we're, we're working with this clip because the DA over there, Larry Krasner, the district attorney, I mean, Jim Kenny, the mayor's terrible guy. I actually had gotten a photo of Jim Kenny at my beach club here in Fort Lauderdale when he had Philadelphians locked down right after he did that cringy, idiotic little pro-illegal alien dance. And then you've got Larry Krasner, and Larry Krasner, the district attorney in Philadelphia, was really George Soros's first successful experiment with putting woke DAs, pro-criminal, thug-coddling district attorneys in office. But what you're seeing on this video is, is to be expected by those of us who've been following this stuff for years. John, rap, explain to me what goes through the minds of people in a place like Philly. I don't expect them to be Republican. I know it's Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. But when you go and you punch the ticket for that DA, who are they running on turning criminals loose? I mean, I hear all these people in these cities now, New York and otherwise, complaining about crime. They're all liberals who vote Democrat every time. Are they making that connection? Yeah, I mean, I don't see how they can't be, all right? Let's move from Philly to the other side of the country, to San Francisco. They recalled Chesa Bowden, their district attorney, a guy who was as radically far left, more radically far left, than Krasner in Philadelphia. San Franciscans voted for the guy knowing that his parents served time in prison for cop killing. They knew he was a thug coddler. See, Jesse, it's very, you know, you and I have been around this world for a long time, right? Sharing content, we've been friends a long time. We've seen the, the genesis and the evolution of this. They think it's cool to coddle thugs, you know, white guys and police and Christians. We're all horrible human beings until reality slaps them in the face or, or unfortunately shoots them in the chest. You know, it sounds really great to be liberal and hip and I, you know, criminal justice reform and jailbreak and no bond and, you know, hey, it's societal until you're the one getting shot, raped and robbed. Then all of a sudden you want to recall that district attorney. But here's the mind blowing part, man. They will vote 
for the same exact type of person again after they just recalled someone for doing what the next guy or girl is going to do all over again. I can't explain it, liberal logic. John, this is why I'm worried about our cities. Now, I actually like cities. I enjoy myself. I like the country, too. I like it all. I think cities are an important part of, of any nation. Yeah. Your nation's known by its cities. And I see our cities going through a death spiral, and I don't see how they pull out of it. Because as you mentioned, they just keep going and voting Democrat, next Democrat up, next Democrat up. Well, not only do you have that, you have more violent criminals on the streets, and you have fewer cops. Philadelphia's 1,300 police officers short. All my friends in the NYPD, I know you have many as well, they talk about not just the retirements, it's the studs who are retiring. They're done. They're going to go yeah. walk a beat yeah. in the Florida suburbs or go do private security. They're going to go do something else. So the quality of the cop is going down. The number of the cops are going down. The number of violent criminals are going up. I don't see like we're about to hit some bottom. This thing keeps going down, right? Dude, this is why we're friends. I mean, you're one of the few guys that, that understands that nuance that you just hit. It's so critically important. Your best, your best NYPD cops, your, your Boston cops, your Chicago cops, your LA cops, they're coming to Florida. They're going to Texas, right? Because we have governors, we have, we have sheriffs, elected sheriffs, when they go to work for these agencies who treat them well, who back them up, who pay them a living wage, who don't throw them under the bus if they take police action and do what they were trained to do. Look, anecdotally, I was in New York City. I had a meeting last Tuesday in Manhattan. I grew up there. I policed New York City. It was my home. My family lives 30 minutes away. And I walked out of an office building in Midtown, prime real estate, premier block, and I was going to a very well-known steakhouse for lunch. I made a right out of the building, and three junkies, one with a needle in his arm, almost fell off scaffolding on top of me. Another one was urinating in a doorway and then went to this steakhouse, very well-known steakhouse on 6th Avenue, that at lunchtime would normally be packed. You couldn't get a seat at the bar, you couldn't get a table, was maybe half full at best. So if New York is falling, and I don't see how that city comes back, the rest of the, the cities in this nation are, are right behind. A good friend of mine, a very high net worth guy down here in Florida, just sold his last piece of real estate in Chicago where he grew up, has no reason to ever go back. His words to me, we were on a hunting trip in Texas uh, two weekends ago, uh, a, sh a clay shooting trip, and he said, this is the new America. This is where we need to be. I have no reason to ever go back to Chicago. Same way I feel about New York. So it's, it's a sad thing. You're right. Cities are great, but they've pushed all the normals, all of us normal, productive Americans out in favor of people who are drains on society. Gosh, that is so sad. Because unlike many, I love New York City. It was one of my yeah. favorite places in the world. I just flying in there, put a smile on my face, and I've got to go back soon for a work thing. John, I'm dreading it. Yeah. I've never once yeah. dreaded going to New York City. I don't want to go. Yes, it was my home. Do you know I landed at 10 a.m. for my meeting. I got on a 5 p.m. flight home, and I was the happiest guy in the world when we rotated off the runway to go back to Florida. I had no desire to be Gosh, there any longer than that I is. That is so freaking sad. John Cardillo, thank you, my friend. Please come back soon. Thanks, Jesse. Talk soon. All right. We talk a lot about preparation for things, right? And we should. We're always going to do that. We'll get to lighten the mood here in a minute. Preparation. How do we prepare? And I, I tell you, preparation makes me feel better. That's food, water. Do you have the ability to get clean water? Ammunition. But these are all things you know already. You know about food, water, ammunition. That, that would be normal things people tell you about. How's your medication? What's your medication look like?
Jace Medical, they will provide you with a flight of emergency antibiotics. You know when things start really going bad, people die of infection, people die of disease. They will sell you a Jace case at Jace Medical. Go get a couple Jace cases for your home, all right? Go, promo code JESSE, go. We'll be back. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together, we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 